Next on BYUSN, let's talk football. The first win totals for the Cougar season are out. We'll discuss where Vegas expects BYU to finish in season two of the Big 12 and how we would adjust that line. BYU men's basketball, maybe you've heard, above 500 in the Big 12 and a projected five seed in the NCAA tournament. What do the Cougars need to do over the final seven games to continue the upward trend? We'll ask that same question to BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson and we'll look ahead to Saturday's road game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Plus, former BYU kicker turned pro MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson will join us in Studio B fresh off his first professional win. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, February 15th. Hope you had a fantastic Valentine's Day and are still feeling the love. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is brash enough, confident enough to do a solo court storm. He is Jason Shepard. Yeah, I don't know if people saw this. So Detroit Mercy, uh-huh. who we we have somewhat of a connection with because of Noah Waterman. What's up, Noah? And so Noah Waterman played there. But but this season, they were 0-26. Well, they got their first win of the year <laughs> last night. And after, we, people storm the court, right? And when you hear storming the court, what do you think of? You think of this massive group of people running down from the stands. Oh, yeah. That was not the case. One guy <laughs> just just saunters down on the court. The, the imagery is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious. And <sighs> here's the deal. Mad props to that guy. Yes. Absolutely. Like, you're not gonna do this. I'm gonna go celebrate the one win. Would you would you be a solo celebrator in terms of on the court? If my favorite team had lost 26 <laughs> games in a row. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's connected to the team in many ways. And so there's just this innate tie, like this, you need to express this emotion to show your support. <laughs> Even if you are one fan, I respect it. Here's what I'm hoping is not the case. And we don't have the behind the scenes info on this. What I hope it wasn't a case of was his buddy saying, yeah, we're going to do it with you. You just be first. We'll follow you. We'll be right behind you. Hey. And then he gets down, then he turns around, and they're up there just laughing at him. Oh, yeah, hey. who knows? I wouldn't put it past But, uh, hey, props to the guy for being the one dude that was willing to celebrate yes. on the court after Detroit Mercy gets their Absolutely. first win. Absolutely. Who cares? If, even if he did have the friends. I wouldn't put it past <laughs> friends to do things like that. But even if that were the case, pro- like, we see you. Yeah. We literally see you. <laughs> Everybody does. And we appreciate yes. it. On that note, No solo court storms for BYU basketball. Thankfully, they have a few more fans than that, and they're winning more than that for sure. We'll get to more of that in a moment, but first, we'll time out on basketball as we rise and shout. Let's go to what's trending. It's an unbelievable catch. This is really good high-level basketball. To Hill for a touchdown. You've got to find a way to win two of those games when it gets Kansas City. Hey. Plenty to talk about. Again, it is a football and basketball day on BYU Sports Nation. Listen, maybe low expectations are a good thing for BYU sports. Let's ask BYU men's basketball how it's working out for them who were picked to finish, remember, 13th out of 14 teams in conference. BYU currently tied for sixth and projected five seed in the NCAA tournament. Pretty Pretty good, Jason. (laughs) Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Thank you, Larry. Yes. BYU football just found out how many wins they're supposed to pick up, according to the experts in the desert. And that line is at four and a half, according to FanDuel. Four and a half wins in season two of the Big 12. 
Not a bowl team, obviously, there at that mark. Jason, when you look at that number and you consider what's coming back and what BYU did last season mm-hmm. at five and seven, where would you set the line? Um, yeah, I was I was a bit surprised. I guess there's a part of me that can sort of understand why they have gone this direction. To me, I'm probably moving the line up one win. Okay. I'm probably starting it at five and a half. Okay. And the the reason is because this to me. The big question for this year is, is BYU going to be bowl eligible this year? We thought when BYU started 4-1, and we thought it was a foregone conclusion that that BYU was going to end up in in a bowl game. And obviously it didn't turn out that way. And so it's a situation where, you know, I I think it's, it's, is BYU going to be bowl eligible or not? I think that's kind of the biggest question going into this year. Look, and I can also understand whoever starts at quarterback for them is going to be a new starter. If it's if it's Jake Retzloff, yes, he started the final four games. Um, if it's if it's Gary Bohannon, yes, he has been a starter before, but this is his first season here. So, at the at the the highest position in the sport, they don't know number one who the quarterback's going to be. They don't know what type of performance you're going to get. So I guess I can sort of understand where they're coming from. And again, the, their whole thing is to get people to react and put money down on this, and so that's why they put it here. But I, I think I think it probably should have at least started at five and a half because really, to me, it's is BYU going to get to six or not? Is it going to are they going to end at five wins or are they going to get to six plus? Because once you get to six above that in this conference, to me, early on in year two, it's all gravy at that point. Jason, let me add a story, and this is a little bit personal because. Uh, I like to tie in some personal things into discussions like this. Some of the best advice I ever got from my father-in-law when I got married was, Spencer, look, expect nothing, give everything. And when I first heard it, I was like, uh, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I understand where you're going with this. Like, it but sounds I, great. No, like, I kind of want a little bit out of this marriage thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I want something back. But I understand now, today, better than ever, what he was trying to tell me there. And that is manage expectations. If they are low, then you will be pleasantly surprised again and again and again. Jason, I, I would leave the line at four and a half purely from the standpoint of, for fans specifically, go into the season thinking, okay, BYU is going to win four and a half games. And let's all be pleasantly surprised together. Because, yeah, I don't think BYU is going to be on the four or the five line when it comes to fruition. I think it's going to be closer to six, maybe seven wins because I have bought into what Jay Hill is doing specifically on defense. And it's going to be tough for BYU's offense to be worse than it was last year. It will be hard to be worse than they were last year. It just wasn't explosive. They were opportunistic. It took advantage of some big turnovers and field position early in the season. But it just wasn't great all year. Injuries to the quarterback, all that stuff, okay? So I'd leave the line right where it is, specifically for fans and for the team. Like, look, this is what they think you are. This is what Mark Pope and BYU basketball have done. Look, this is what they think you are, the 13th best team in the conference. BYU women's basketball is dealing with this as well. They think you're the 11th best team in the conference. At some point, this you get tired of hearing yes. about it, and it will motivate you. Expect nothing, give everything, and let's all be pleasantly surprised at the result. Manage those expectations. So that's why 
I would leave it right where it is, baby. And I, I love what you said in terms of it, it can't get significantly worse no. than what we saw no. last year in terms of, of offensive production. And so I, I, I agree with you on that. There were so many things that just didn't work last year that it's just hard to believe with all of the changes that they've made to try and take care of those issues that you're going to have the same type of production or lack thereof. I'm with you 100% on that. That's why I think, I think this team is getting to six wins. I think this team is going to get bowl eligible. Yeah. And then anything you can do above that's even better. I can give you 10 reasons why this is sound logic from my good friend Jason Shepard, beginning with it's year two of Jay Hill's defense. Ben Bywater's coming back. You get Micah Harper yeah. back healthy. All of these different things that we're in it with them, right? We're in the yes. nuances. Vegas is not in the nuances. They see what happened last year, and oh, BYU still doesn't have like a quote-unquote Elite quarterback, yeah, four and a half. They won five last year. I totally understand this for yeah. sure. Like, there are a million reasons, but I, I'm i just going to save for another day. Like, I'm taking the four and a half. Because I want BYU to think, okay, this is in large part what they think you are. Now go and prove otherwise. Then go shatter that. Yeah. Get tired of hearing about it. Oh, I think we're a four or five win team. Great. Let it ruminate. Put it in your locker. Look at it every day. Whatever you got to do to motivate yourself, take a page out of some of these other BYU teams' book and look what they have done with this. So I'm with you. I love the logic of BYU is going to be better than this, but gosh, that number, just think about it. Sit on it. Just sit and stew on it. Just stew on that number for sure. Just put a big 4.5 right in the middle of the locker room every day. (laughs) (laughs) They walk in. This is what they think you are. I hope BYU is picked to finish near the bottom of the Big 12. Out of the 16 teams, I hope it comes in at like 14 or 15. Let's get, yeah. Well, based great. off of, based off of what this win total is, if if every, anything else is close to that, they probably will be. Oh man, our question of the day. You've heard FanDuel's number. You've heard Jason and I talk about it. They set it at four and a half wins for BYU. Where would you set the line and why? Eric Evanson, 22 on X, says five and a half. Right way there with you, Jason, is where I'd set it. But if the quarterback play and run game are bad again this year, four and a half might not be far off. I think the de- even if the offense maintained, and they were not great numbers, defense is going to be better, yeah, Jason. I, I agree with the you The defense 100%. is going to be better. That's good enough to me right there for one more win. Year two with Jay Hill. We, we, saw, that we saw what they were able to do in year one under him. Having another year and more of, of his guys coming in and another year in the scheme for guys that were yes. already in the system, I, I, I love the direction the defense uh, is BYU's going. BYU's not relying on 20-plus transfer portal guys to come in in year one this year. Yep. They, 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 five. Yep. Okay, yep. that number has dramatically gone down. Core's back. Got two new offensive coaches yep. who come in with some nice pedigrees. Again, I don't, I don't want to give you too much ammo to think that they'll just ruminate on four and a half. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Farmer Hiram on Instagram says, six wins. I think BYU could have an opportunity to surprise teams this year. Yes, let's surprise them. Keep it at four and a half. Let's surprise them together. All right. Uh, speaking of surprises, how about we shift gears to basketball? It has been a pleasant surprise this entire <laughs> basketball season. They Word have, of the day, surprise. Yes, yeah, they have been on a roll after beginning the Big 12 season at two and four since then. Cougars have gone four and one. They are now a game above 500 mm-hmm. at six and five overall. So, Spencer, to continue the current trend of winning, 
What does BYU need to do over the final seven regular season games? BYU is going to have some tough road challenges in the final seven, beginning with at Oklahoma State. Then BYU has to go to Kansas State, to Kansas, and to Iowa State. If BYU is going to win these road games, even one of the final four, or maybe two of the final four, it begins with protecting the ball, Jason, limiting turnovers. BYU at home can handle because of the emotions of the crowd and just how much of a home court advantage there is in the Big 12 and certainly at the Merritt Center, it's easier to overcome 17 turnovers like they did against UCF. That will not be the case on the road. And the majority of the back seven are on the road, which leads me to this. Yesterday, our good friend Sean Farnham joined us and talked about the turnovers that plagued BYU against UCF and how this could be a thing moving forward the turnovers that led to points off of turnovers. That to me is probably the one stat that concerns me most if I was a BYU fan, because you're going to have fouls and you're going to have weird things happen. But what you cannot do is turn the ball over and allow your opponent to get almost 30 points off those turnovers and expect to have success. You can do that at home maybe, and they did last night. But even Oklahoma State this weekend, if you turn the ball over and you give them 30 points off of turnovers this weekend, you're probably not going to win that game. Could not agree more with that statement. I'll say this, however, BYU, even though they had 17 turnovers against UCF and it led to almost 30 points for the Knights, they survive at home. On the season and in the Big 12 specifically, BYU is only averaging 12 and a half turnovers a game. Yeah. That's a pretty nice number. It's, you'll take that. You'll take that almost every year. The Cougars want it to be closer to 10 or under 12, yep. for that matter. But 12 and a half is a is a pretty decent number. BYU is not forcing as many as they're giving up. They're only forcing about 10 turnovers a game. So if that number could like equalize a little bit, like BYU is forcing closer to 12 or 13 turnovers and then their number dips below 12, then you are in position to not blow second half leads, at least not as easily, and maybe sneak a, a game in there and win that game that otherwise you wouldn't. I'm with you. I 100% agree that turnovers is certainly one of them, even though, you know, as you mentioned, they're only averaging about 12. I think the part of it, though, and it goes to what Sean was talking about in, in that clip, it, it's, it's the turnovers, yes, but you can, you can get past a turnover if you don't allow the other team to, to make it worse by scoring. And that's what has, has happened in some of these games where turnovers have led directly to points. Yes. And that's – you can turn the ball over and you certainly don't want to, but if you can keep them from compounding the mistake of the turnover by scoring, that, that will go a long way in – especially down the stretch where, like you very accurately said, you've got some very tough road games. If, if you can just keep them from converting your turnovers directly to points, that will go a long way. There are a few things that incite – a crowd. Yes. When you are a road team, more than a live ball turnover yep. off of a press or off of a big block shot or just a straight steal and a big dunk and the home crowd goes nuts. Like yeah. those are the worst. For me, the other thing that, that comes to mind, and and this is actually it's sort of a double-edged sword because I want to discuss m more consistent offensive production. Okay. Individually, it, But I say it's a double-edged sword because. It's been one of the things that has also helped BYU or been a plus for BYU that maybe when some of the scoring from individuals has gone up and down. Mark Pope calls it one of the team's superpowers. Yes, you, you've had other guys be able to step up yes. and, and fill in some of the gaps where 
and because you have you have some games where guys will score you know 15, 16 points, and then in the next game three or four points, and but also in that game somebody that maybe scores four or five is then getting closer to 12. So it's it's been great to see guys step up, but imagine how much better this team could be, especially down the stretch where the schedule does get tougher on the road, if some of these guys that are fluctuating in terms of the production output can sort of even that out. Instead of going 15 to 5, maybe you're averaging 10 or 11. Okay, and, so you get no, that, and you get that consistently across the board. Okay. See, that's tough, but I, do, I am on board with like the, the decrease of the peaks and valleys. Yes, because, yes that's, that's basically where I'm going with this. I, I think that will help BYU immensely if, if they can avoid the peaks and valleys from game to game uh, of, of scoring individually. I think that will help this team a lot. Even if it's maybe one guy, right? Sure. Like, like you typically need three or four guys to score in double figures to feel like you're in good position to win a game. Yeah. And what you're saying is, like, it feels like game to game, the combo of those three or four players has been wildly different, yeah, yeah. right? And, and again, that is a good thing that this team has had answers at other places with guys stepping up. But imagine how much better they could be there's just one more of those wild swings okay. in production. Like, if there's one more just consistent yes. guy yeah. every night, like, he's above 10 points every game instead of, like, 15 here, 2 here, 15 here, yeah. 3 here, yeah. 14 here, 1 here. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a difficult balance, right? Because, yeah. again, like, BYU, it's so cool that they do yes. this. Yes, it's, it's a different guy every night, but I, I understand where you're going with that. The one thing that is a little bit concerning that BYU relied so heavily on and they made it like their mantra was, we're going to shoot threes. And they have pinpointed, we want to get up 35 three-point attempts every game. That has not been the case, especially over the last three games. There's been this three-point shooting regression. And Mark Pope mentioned to me specifically after the Kansas State game, like, yeah, I don't like that we now two games in a row, we, we haven't really hit that number. And then UCF... It was kind of weird because it was all foul shots. Yeah. Like, that one didn't feel as extreme because, like, well, we took 46 free throws, and so we didn't need to take 35 threes. Frankly, we couldn't because they just kept fouling us. But there's still, like, this trend of BYU's not attempting as many threes as they want to. Let's go back to Sean Farnham. Does he feel that concern because he's a guy that is okay with maybe BYU fine in different ways? Listen to him. I was very critical, if you remember the first time I came on with you guys, talking about their, their reliance upon the three-point shot and that they had to find other ways to score. They have done an outstanding job of that. Now, part of that is because teams are closing out so hard at the three-point line. What that's doing is a little, a little turn down the three and let's drive and attack and, and get fouled and get to the line. And that's a way to manufacture points. So it's interesting because the identity, again, of this BYU team is, man, they shoot threes. They're yeah. one of the best shooting three-point teams in the country, and they attempt more than most teams in the country. BYU should not go away from this and allow defenses to continue to hound the three-point line because guess what, Jason? It's allowing the Cougars to find different ways yeah. to get spacing on the floor and score layups. So, I, I mean, while I'd like to see BYU – get back to more of that trend of attempting at least 33-pointers, I don't think it's maybe as big of a concern as 
some are thinking that it really is. Look, and it started with that Texas game where BYU came out and showed that they are more than just a three-point shooting team, and it really took the Longhorns by surprise with how much BYU was attacking the rim. And since then, now, now you've put doubt in the opposition that all you're going to do is three. They have to guard everything. It, it, it was a brilliant move, and BYU's been able to use that to its advantage. But I also, this team is built for threes. So I don't have a problem if they want to take it. Knowing that they have the other option, if the three isn't sure. falling, I'm perfectly fine taking the threes. If it's not going, we, we know what they can do. Option 1A should remain 35 three-point yeah, attempts. I have no problem That's with that. option 1A. Yep. If it becomes a thing where the team's just taking it away again and again and again and again, then 1B has proven more often than not that it's okay to find other ways. And that is a credit to BYU and the staff and the players for executing that game plan. All right, if you want more uh, BYU hoops, how about turning into BYU basketball with Mark Pope tonight? Player guests Townsend Triple, Traden Christensen, Tanner Hayhurst, and Jared McGregor tonight at 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Yo, let's get the walk on some love. Huh? Do you think Jared feels bad that his first name doesn't start with a T? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until this very Triple, moment. Triple, Traden, Tanner, and Jared. Up next. Love you, Jared. We recap. Tuesdays win, speaking of T, with assistant coach Nick Robinson and ask him what BYU needs to focus on over the final seven to get NCAA locked. BYU won. It's hard to win, dog. I feel like they got to win both this week to go 9-9. This is one of the best teams that BYU's ever produced. Robinson! Nobody stopped the ball. Waterman with the finish. Give me that. Foose with the block. Jackson Robinson. Ooh. It's in a name, Robinson. Jackson Robinson taking and making big shots for BYU basketball in each of the last two games. Welcome back to the show. Alongside Jason Shepard, I'm Spencer Linton. And joining us now, another Robinson, who's made a few big shots in his life, and he is doing some elite-level coaching for BYU right now. Nick Robinson with us. Coach, great to have you back at Studio B. It's great to be here. BYU above 500 for the first time in its Big 12 era. And I know, really, it's one game at a time, and it is mental warfare. But when you saw that mark for the first time come to fruition, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think it's fantastic. I mean, we got to 500 a little bit earlier in league play uh, to be able to kind of get over that mark uh, in the best basketball conference in the country um, is a nice stepping stone. Uh, you know, clearly we've got a big game right against Oklahoma State on the road. Uh, we've got uh, seven games left in league. Uh, every single game matters. Every single game's a battle. Uh, but I think it's a, you know, a great stepping stone right as we kind of just pass the halfway point uh, of league play. I was joking with somebody. I'm like, if you love free throws and you like stoppages of play, that win over UCF was like right up your alley. What? Take us through what a game like that is like to be involved in when, you know, that last minute was just nuts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to start the game, uh, you know, the first half, right, we got out to a great start. Um, you know, everything seems to be going the direction that we planned for, Yeah. right? Second half uh, begins, and it's kind of a similar pattern, right? A little bit of a game of runs. Uh, we managed to quell most of those runs. And again, fortunately, we were able to, you know, make all the free throws uh, that we did. That was a lot of free throws. <laughs> um, you know, I've been in a game, you know, like that before where I was on the other side of it. <laughs> Um, you know, so it was great to be on the winning side uh, in this particular case. Dallin Hall, you mentioned uh, the quelling of the runs that UCF went on. Dallin Hall is such a huge part of that, um, and he's carrying a lot of the pressure and, and the weight to kind of get things going at that point guard position. 
Why do you feel like in his sophomore season he's kind of taken that next step? What have you seen that has allowed him to handle the increased role that he's dealing with? Yeah, I think for Dallin and for all of our guys, right, they really bought into Coach Pope's motto of get better every single day. And so, you know, a lot of times you see certain slumps or inconsistencies, uh, but Dallin really exemplifies, right, the willingness and the want to and the desire to get better every single day. And so, you know, as we got into, you know, the Big 12 season after a great non-conference year, uh, you know, for all of our guys, it took a little bit of adjusting. Um, but, you know, three or four games in, we kind of started to find that rhythm. But again, the credit goes to each of our guys and being willing to get better every day in practice. And so then, you know, the games, you know, kind of take care of themselves. Where have the guys gotten better, whether it's individually, whether it's collectively, because as you mentioned, you know, getting to that 500 mark and then now getting above it, you guys started conference play two and four, and since then you've gone four and one. What's what's been that biggest difference? You know, I think that you know we've really had a next guy mentality, right? Um, you know, we've contributed as a group, game in and game out. It's been different guys, right? And so uh, we've also seen the Big 12 uh, teams that we've played adjust, right? How they're guarding us, right? It's kind of interesting. That, like our goal is to shoot a lot of threes, uh, but in you know, the past games, it's been free throw line, it's been you know points at the basket, and so the adjustment has been you know the physicality of the game. You know we're going to take what the defense is going to give us. Uh, we're going to continue to lean into the game plan, both offensively and defensively, and our guys have just shown a lot of mental toughness, right, game in and game out, and that's been really really impressive. Nick Robinson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach Jason and I, as sideline reporters, enjoy a unique perspective, and we get to watch the interactions that you have with the guys in the moment, and I've always appreciated your intensity and how active you are going around the huddle with each of the individual players. What are your emotions like in a heated game, in the Big 12? Uh, because I know how we perceive it, and like it, it seems you know intense and it's exciting. But what what are your emotions like? You know, for me, uh, you know, a lot of my emotions are going on internally, right? <laughs> so there's a mixture of emotions that are. You do a good job place. of hiding that anything's wrong. Yeah, you know, but the important thing is not my emotions, right? It's really the emotions, right, and the mental, um, you know, fortitude and toughness and the emotional consistency that our guys can have. And so, you know, that's one of the goals that we have as a staff, right? Is to be able to help each of our guys and our collective group, right, to stay in the moment, to stay focused, and to be, right, in the emotional and mental framework that they need to be able to execute, um, you know, and make big plays. Uh, this past game, it happened to be stepping up to the free throw line and knocking down those free throws. Um, you know, I, I heard right after the game that that was uh, either a tie or, a, you know, a BYU record, right? 40 makes. Um, you know, which is fantastic. Uh, but given the fact that we shot 50% the game before, or, again, a lot of credit goes to our guys and their willingness to get better, right, to uh, stay in the moment and to be mentally tough in a game that, you know, could have gone a little bit different. When we talk about the Big 12, you know, we focus so much leading into this season about how exciting it was going to be to be in this conference. And now that the season, you know, is well underway and almost towards the end of it, you know, it, it's fun to see BYU facing all these different teams. From a preparation standpoint, what's been the biggest difference going from the WCC to the Big 12 in terms of 
the, the prep for these games? You know, in terms of our staff's overall preparation, right, it's been pretty consistent from year to year. Clearly, there's been some minor adjustments that have taken place. Um, but one of the things that we've really tried to emphasize this year, right, is our guys' participation, right, in the film process, right, in the uh, on the court, right, process, in terms of them taking ownership, right, of what it is we're trying to accomplish um, as a group. And so that's been really neat to see, and that's really kind of, you know, the maturity of our guys uh, as opposed to anything that's, you know, unique to our specific, right, tactical preparation, right? And so, um, you know, it's been great. Uh, you know, it's still very, very exciting, yeah. right? You know, we think about what it was like before we got in the Big 12. Now that we're in it, it's actually even more exciting, <laughs> right? To be yeah. able to go and face these opponents and to have the environments and to now be at six and five with seven games to go, to get to go on the road and prove again, right? Like those are emotions that are coming out a little bit right now, which are <laughs> really exciting because we're in it, yeah. right? Oklahoma State up next, chance to go seven and five. And I know that you know as well as the other coaches and the guys on the staff, this is a Cowboys team that's won some nice games on their home floor for sure. And it, I mean, I, I hate to use the word scary, but I mean, that's the word that Mark used after the game. He's like, this game's a little scary because every game is tough. So what's the scout on Oklahoma State? How do you stay ready to go and get another road win? Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's got a proven coaching staff, right, in the Big 12, right, year over year over year. Um, they've got a really nice, right, guard uh, core, like all the teams in the Big 12, who have played pretty well at home. Um, and so we're going to have to manage that. And then they've got one of the top, right, incoming freshman centers, right, um, you know, that continues to have an impact. And so, you know, for us to be able to go on their home court, right, which they're trying to defend, right, they're trying to get their next win. Um, you know, everybody seems to be giving, right, us, like everybody else, the best shot that they have. You know, we've really got something to go in and prove. And so, you know, it's our responsibility as a coaching staff. It's our guys' responsibility to come in and have a great practice today, be great tomorrow, let's get better and come out and perform on Saturday. It's been fun to see BYU get the national recognition that it has, but I know you guys as coaches always want the players to keep that in check and not to, to buy in so much that you know, it becomes an issue. How, how have you seen the guys handle the attention that they've garnered this year. Yeah, I think they've handled it really well. Um, and I, what I mean by that is they've handled it with a grateful heart and a grateful mind, right? They understand that the focus, right, is on what's going on here and now. They understand that the focus is the guys that they're playing with, right, every single day. And so for them to be able to keep that focus, right, and leaning into one another, right, leaning into what it is we're trying to accomplish, right, day in and day out, has been really, really exceptional. A lot, again, a lot of credit to our guys guys yeah. and their maturity, right, you know, over the past couple of years. Nick Robinson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Again, mentioned Oklahoma State. Schematically, like what type of specific preparations are you putting into play in practice to get ready for what they do? And what is it that they do that is, that is so tough to defend? Yeah, on their home court, right, offensively, they do a really nice job of trying to get out in transition, right? Uh, they've shot the three ball a lot better um, at home. And surprisingly enough, right, they're actually one of the highest free throw uh, rates or attempt teams, right, in our league right now. You know and something so, about that after yeah. the last game. <laughs> and so, they're like 72 yeah. free throws. Total, we can beat that. <laughs> 
And so, you know, for us defensively, right, we want to go in, um, you know, and execute our game plan. Um, you know, offensively, right, we want to be able to do what we continue to, you know, strive to do is to make plays for each other, right, to really do everything that we can, right, to get off some more threes. Um, you know, but again, for us, right, the goal is to be here and now today, right, um, you know, digest all the film, digest all the preparation the next two days and go in and perform. I want to go back to something that you had mentioned before in terms of this team and sort of the next man up mentality. And, you know, that can be looked at both from the injury issues that you guys have dealt with all season long, but also in some of maybe the fluctuation where guys, you know, may, maybe, you know, they have 15 one game and then maybe five the next, but, but somebody else steps up and went from five to 15. Can you talk about just how this team has been able to do that, and it's not just next man up, but it, it's coming from when, when somebody needs something, somebody's always kind of been there to, to step up regardless of what's been needed. I, I think that's been one of the things that's been really refreshing and fun to watch about this team. Yeah, it's a, it's a really unique, right, experience in college basketball, right? You know, a lot of teams have two or three guys that are super consistent, right, and you, they kind of know what to expect, right? We've been really fortunate to have, right, 10 guys, <laughs> right, yeah. that we understand, right, where our strengths are. We understand, uh, you know, what teams are trying to accomplish. And so for our guys to come in and be consistent within their strengths, right, on any given night, right, we can have different different guys have different performances, right, from an offensive standpoint, yeah. right? But also on the defensive side, right, it's kind of the same thing, right? We're really, really fortunate to have, right, 10 guys, right, that are able to come in, right, and rebound at a high level and execute the defensive game plan. And so, um, you know, that experience has been relatively unique, um, but also been really exciting for our guys that they, again, can lean into understanding that, hey, if I'm off a little bit, my brother, right, or my teammate is going to be able to pick me up. Does it also help to keep guys engaged? Because they know that their, their moment could come at any time. You can't, you can't back off. You can't slack off at all because we've seen throughout the entire year Guys are going to get opportunities in this offense and defense. Yeah, and again, you know, that's kind of the, the camaraderie that this team, right, has built. Yeah. Um, the opportunity to go on a foreign tour and then to have the non-conference that we did and to be where we are right now in the Big 12. Again, a lot of credit to our guys leaning into each other, connecting with, with each other, right, trusting in, in each other. And then that really just kind of plays itself out yeah. on the basketball court. Coach, uh, one of the understated things that you and the staff have done have taken this eclectic group with different backgrounds, different religious backdrops, and made them feel like, hey, we are one collective unit. It has been really fun to watch that come together. I know the trip played into that. So uh, props to you and the staff and the guys for all the hard work put in thus far. We know you got plenty left to accomplish. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to take on the road to Stillwater. Can't wait to watch, man. Thanks for spending some time with us. No, really appreciate it. And, you know, Coach Pope and the staff and really the guys have yeah. made, yeah. right, this BYU basketball team um, absolutely exceptional. Um, and it's been really, really fun to be a part of. And we're super excited to get on the road. Let's go, Coach. Thanks Thanks, again. Coach. Appreciate Thanks, it. All right, number 19, BYU men's basketball on the road at Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday. Pre-game coverage beginning at 1 Eastern on BYU Radio. Up next, let's talk a little women's hoops as well. Is a top eight finish at this point for the BYU women out of the question? They've won three in a row. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He is Jason. Now for your Thursday headlines. All right, let's look at BYU's team sheet as of this morning as we're about uh, one month away from Selection Sunday. That's absolutely crazy to think about. Number 19, BYU currently 18-6 and six overall, 6-5 six and five in the Big 12 with a record of 6-6 six and six in Quad 1 and Quad 2 games. So good. The Cougars are number 9 in the net, number 14 in Ken Palm, and a 5 seed in Uncle Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. <laughs> and speaking of bracketology in the, uh, the bracket, bracket matrix, BYU included in all 106 brackets with an average seed of 5.3. Love it. A high seed of four, a low of seven. Who's got them as a seven? Get with it. <laughs> BYU softball begins play today in their second tournament at Arizona State's Littlewood Classic in Tempe. Cougars 5-0 on the season after going undefeated at the Paradise Classic in Hawaii last week. The Cougars will take on budding rival Arizona State tonight. BYU men's golf is in Hawaii to defend its title in the 47th edition of the John A. Burns Intercollegiate at the Ocean Course at uh, Hakuala. Yes. Is that how you say that? All right. Hokuala. Hokuala. BYU won the event last year and tees off later this morning with uh, play continuing throughout the weekend. BYU swimmer Mackenzie Lung was named the Women's Co-Swimmer of the Week after breaking the BYU pool record in the 200 breaststroke. And Jordan Tiffany named the Men's Co-Newcomer of the Week for the fifth time this season after breaking his own 200 individual medley pool record. All right, Cougar Pro Hoopers. This is the weekly update, letting you know where uh, everybody stands. Uh, Elijah Bryant had a 19.14 rebound double-double uh, for his team in Turkey. I'm not going to attempt to say Anadolu Efes. All right, there you go. Zach Selyus had 18 points for Würzburg Baskets <laughs> in Germany. Würzburg. Würzburg. Uh, Alex Barcelo, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists for Akunsa Gup. Gipuskoa. Gipuskoa. I know. Why didn't you get this when you're know. so much better with no, these? No, it's all good. And uh, Brandon Averett with uh, 20 <laughs> points, 4 assists for his team in France. Yes, those are today's <laughs> headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, in Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings he released yesterday, BYU football's ranked 60th in offense, 80th in defense. Wait, what? Does that surprise you? Yes, I would expect those numbers to be different. But it's largely based on just returning yes. players and production. production. Yes. Like that is the analytic involved there that most heavily sways this. So yes, I am surprised. I get it, but it still is a little surprising. Sure. Is a top eight finish in the Big 12 out of the question for BYU women's basketball, who are now alone in ninth. Yep. They've won three in a row. Yep, playing really good basketball and an opportunity to take on Kansas get a little revenge against yep. the team that beat them in Lawrence. Uh, is it out of the question? No, it's not out of the question. Th this team can absolutely do that. I think BYU is going to win the next two games and get to seven and eight. I really do. I think they're going to hold home court against Kansas eight. and then TCU. Yes, at home. I think they are going to do that. And at that point, eighth place feels very reachable. Yep. All right, Jimmer Fredette was featured in the Sue's Places on ESPN Plus with Sue Bird and Iowa women's basketball superstar Caitlin Clark, who said uh, one of her idols was the Jimmer. Join the group. And I know. Is Clark the closest player to Jimmer since Jimmer? For what she means to the game, specifically in women's basketball, yes. And how she plays the yep. game too, Jason. And, and the attention. She brings yeah. in the average viewer. People that maybe don't necessarily follow it, they know who she is, and they pay attention yeah. because they know she's involved. Same thing with Jimmer. It's the Caitlin craze, just like yep. Jimmer Mania yep. was a thing, yep. right? 100%. It, it's very similar. Yep. They both happen to be national players of the year, too. Yep. 
All right, up next, kicker turned MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson joins us in studio. Coming up his first professional win. He's not an amateur star anymore, straight up pro. This is BYU Sports Nation. Don't pick a fight with him. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, once again over in the Cougar Council Room alongside Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to the MMA pro, Andrew Mickelson. It's no longer amateur hour here, Andrew. That's okay. right. It's out the, that's out the window, baby. That's right. That's you, are, you are an official pro. How does it feel to be a pro and to win your first professional MMA fight? It feels good. I think a lot of it feels pretty similar to... Uh, the same kind of pressure and nerves of an amateur fight, but at least this time you're getting paid for, for all of the, the weight cutting and the training that you're doing. <laughs> so that part is definitely an added bonus. The paycheck. Nice. Yeah. The level of competition is actually quite a bit higher between amateurs and pros as well, but, um, but it feels good. Take us through what it takes to make that jump from, from the amateur ranks now to the professional ranks. What goes into that? Yeah, um, a lot of it just depends on kind of your record, your body of work as an amateur, how you've performed, who you've beaten, um, you know, the number of fights you've taken, and then also being marketable enough for uh, promotion to see value in paying you. Um, you know, if you're somebody that has put together a good body of work and somebody that uh, they feel like has reached kind of a level where it's it's a good ROI for them. They want they want to do a contract with you where they're willing to pay you. Then then you start fielding offers and, and hearing hearing what opportunities come your way and just say yes. I like Fierce Fighting Championship. They're based out of Salt Lake. Um, obviously, nice to fight in the Maverick Center the night before the fight. Sure. Sleep in my own bed rather than traveling across the country. Um, and also, it's just great to have friends and family to be able to come and fight in, fight in Salt Lake City, fight in our backyard. So, Well, in the light of increasing sponsorships and attention, how quickly did those conversations evolve? And how many sponsors are you involved with, trying to get involved with, to make you feel like, okay, this is, this is a real thing for me? Yeah, a handful of sponsors, always, always looking for more, obviously. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to partner with businesses that I really love their product. McAfee is also still involved. I was going to ask yes, you. Yes, we for, wanted to ask. For yeah. the brand is still with you. Yeah, uh, it was kind of funky timing because my fight was the night before Super Bowl Sunday. So obviously him and his team were, were super busy and swamped. They didn't tune into the fight, um, but, but we've had follow-up since the fight and since the Super Bowl Sunday craziness has kind of died down. Um, but yeah. Some other local brands here that I'm working with, it's, it's been a good ride, so. I am fascinated by the training aspect and, and just what goes into preparing yourself for whatever level you are, just to be able to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. what, what, is a, what is a training regimen like on a daily basis, and especially leading up to a fight? I would say leading up to a fight, one of the biggest things is being aware of your weight cut and how you make sure that you are getting the maximum out of each training session. You wanna make sure that your body is performing at a high level. You've got great output in your training sessions and in practice, while also balancing um, 
trying to manage a weight cut. Yeah. So there's a, a science to it. Luckily, we're very fortunate to have coaches that have been in the game a long time. Um, one of my coaches and training partners is Court McGee. He's a longtime UFC vet. Um, and we happen to fight in the same weight class. And out of camp, we walk around about a similar weight. And so it's really awesome to, to have a resource like that, um, as well as our other coaches on staff to kind of help, you know, manage a weight yeah. cut, but also maximize our, our training sessions. I would say that's the biggest difference between uh, what I'm doing now versus what I was experiencing at BYU, where we got to get in the weight room and lift like goons and, and yeah. then hit training table and, and just, <laughs> it was all about packing the weight on and yeah. just being big. But uh, now it's it's about maximizing your output while also trying to get to the weight you're contracted to fight at. And do you do, do you do one long training session? Do you break it up where you go for a couple of hours, then you take a little bit of a break and then you come back in the afternoon and do, how, how does that part of it work? Well, I also have to balance the family and work obligations. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, yeah just those two little things. <laughs> um, so obviously have demands on the professional work side outside of fighting and then also have a wife and two little kids. So my wife and I have worked out that I have a training budget um, <laughs> to how many, how many sessions I can get in a week and still have it be reasonable where I feel like I'm getting enough hours in the gym, yeah. enough hours in training, sparring, drilling, whatever I need, but also I uh, feel like I'm taking care of business on the home front as well. So for me, it's uh, three to four training sessions a week, usually about two hours each session. And then I'll run or, or do stuff in the morning as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll go into the gym early in the morning as well. So. Former BYU football player and kicker, now MMA pro, Andrew Mickelson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you are dealing with some high emotions and family and I know you've joked like man I had to talk my wife into this like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a moving target for sure with increased success naturally comes the desire to want to to do this more and so what what kind of pace are you hoping for um now that you are in the pro ranks how many fights do you want like yeah what is the goal in in this for the next year or two you know what? I found that the the longer I've been involved with the sport, I feel like uh, my ceiling continues to get a little higher. And so for me, being a natural competitor, being somebody who loves the sport, I, I'm really passionate about it and get a lot of fulfillment out of it. I want to kind of see where that ceiling is, but I also have realistic expectations too, right? Um, you know, I've got things outside of fighting professionally that, that I want to achieve and, and then the family thing, right? But, um, you know, I, it started out as a bucket list thing. Just take one legit sanctioned MMA fight and then, uh, and then be able to brag that I did it. And now here we are nine you, fights in. You, you've done it and now you're a pro and you've won the majority of them. <laughs> right. And so the trajectory, fortunately, I feel very lucky, but the trajectory has been very good for me. And... Um, so I'm anxious to see how that trajectory continues and, um, and obviously just want to make sure I got the support on the home front to, to pursue it as far as I can. Do you have another fight lined up? Is that, if you, is that, that far ahead right now? Um, no, but I'm, I mean, that, that night after, after my win, the, promotion, the promoter was right in our locker room talking to me about, hey, Naturally. so uh, 
When are you ready to get back in? How active do you want to be in the next 12 months? We'd love to get you, you know, as many as you can, three, four fights this year if, if that's doable. Um, obviously, just coming out of the cage, just like getting my hand wrappings off, I'm sort of just kind of coming off of the adrenaline rush. And so I'm totally gung-ho, like, get me back in. Man. <laughs> uh, but in reality, you know, you have to have that conversation with the coaches. You have to have that conversation with your wife. You have to see what uh, fights are available, what opponents they're looking to line you up with and make sure that, um, that it, it makes sense on all fronts. So Congratulations on handling the nerves, the increased attention, and maintaining just the winning formula. Like, it's been a wild ride for you. Yeah. S super cool. Yeah. So congratulations on all of that. Now it's been cool, and I appreciate BYU and your support. It's been <laughs> go. fun. Let's yeah. go. Now we just need to take uh, what you're doing and hand that to BYU football, who have been tabbed at four and a half wins this season. So, oh, I think that's disrespect. Let's go. On. I think let's, they're going to blow that out it. of the water. Yep. Let's yep. use it. Yep. Yeah. And I'm trying to recruit some old BYU football alumni to come join me in the gym. Okay. So let's go, man. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we'll do our part. However, we can help. That's in right. That that's right. Andrew, great to have Thanks, you Andrew. on the show. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Up next on BYU Sports Station, speaking of the line of four and a half, where would you set it for the Cougars in 2024 on the gridiron? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation On Demand. You can always download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. This is Jason Shepard. I'm Spencer. Our question of the day, FanDuel set BYU football's win total for the 2024 season at four and a half wins. Where would you set the line and why? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes in from G Hardy 616 on Instagram who says, six and a half. Whoa, because in Kalani we trust. We do trust him. Yes, we do. Let's just... Low expectations. Let's surprise everyone. <laughs> Come on. Let the four and a half ruminate. There you go. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, dealing with some tough news in Kansas City yesterday. Yeah, at the, uh, the conclusion of the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. Um, obviously, we've been on the air the last hour. I don't know if the numbers have changed, but we know uh, one dead, 22 uh, injured uh, with uh, some shooting, uh, three people in custody, uh, and uh, obviously... Uh, certainly thinking about my family, we were at that very spot at Union Station uh, in July walking around there. So it really hit home for us and certainly want to uh, thank all of the first responders who got on that scene Incredible. very, very quickly and, and obviously thinking of everybody involved. Those are heroes, and uh, we certainly wish the best for all that were impacted by that. Our thanks to today's guests, Nick Robinson and Andrew Mickelson. For Jason, I'm Spencer. We'll see you tomorrow for a new BYU Sports Nation.